You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. We hope that this podcast is a helpful resource in your daily walk with Christ. Now, here's today's sermon. You can be seated and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 34. Genesis chapter 34. This is the... uh, Next week, Brother Andrew is going to be preaching next Sunday evening. He'll be preaching a uh, sermon about Christmas. And so uh, this will be a last sermon from Genesis, maybe for a couple of weeks. I haven't decided exactly yet. Uh, well, at least for a couple of weeks because uh, Christmas Eve will be the week after that. Um, but we're coming to chapter 34. We're getting close to finishing uh, this series, which is on the patriarchs. And uh, we've covered chapters 1 through 11, which is the beginnings. We've covered now... Chapters 11 through 30, well, 34 tonight. Plan to go about a chapter or two further, and then we'll take a break. And then eventually, when, we feel, when I feel the Lord leading us that direction, we'll come back and try to cover the tribes throughout the rest of the book of Genesis. It's a long book, um, but it's an amazing book, and there's so much going on here. Uh, now, there's a number of years that have passed between chapter 30, 33 that we covered last week and chapter 34 that we're covering this week. We don't know exactly how many years, but in last week's text, the children of Jacob were seven years old or under, probably more, probably under seven years old. Um, but as we'll see as in our reading of this, that, that his children are probably uh, in their upper teens, at least maybe even older, maybe young adults by the time we get to chapter 34. Now, I'm sure that in that time between uh, chapter 33 and chapter 34, there were probably a lot of things that happened in this family, right? Uh, probably a lot of interesting things. Probably things that we would have said, hey, that would have been a great story to put in the Bible. Why did he put chapter 34 in there? Um, and, and so we might, we might question that, but we should, we should not forget that we're only getting bits and pieces of the lives of these people. We're not, we're not seeing the whole picture. We're not able to see that. Simply wouldn't take, uh, it would simply take too long. But it's interesting that God decided that this is where we should pick up. In chapter 34. Like, why? Um, and, I, and I think, as I was thinking about this this week, uh, we need to remember that all of Scripture is about God's redemptive plan. That all of Scripture is so we learn about Him and we learn about what He has done for us. Who He is and what He's done. And, um, and so God puts things in Scripture. He has put things in there so that we can learn. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So everything that is written in scriptures is so that we might understand what God desires for us to know. And so when we come to a text like this, if we're not thinking about it properly, we might think, well, God's just kind of giving us all the information. He's not. He's giving us what we need to know. And so when we come to this text... It, it's a little bit like this is almost a little bit more than PG-13. And, but it's there for a purpose. It's there for us to know. As I mentioned this morning, we have what's called VidAngel, and apparently nobody else has heard of it. Um, but we have it on, on, our, uh, on our Apple TV. And so there's, what you can do is you can say, I want to watch this show. If it falls under the uh, streaming services that you have, we don't have cable. We just have streaming services. And so if it falls under that, we can pull it up on VidAngel, and it will cut out. Um, whatever we tell it to cut out. And so it cuts out uh, language, it cuts out scenes, it cuts out taking God's name in vain, whatever you set it to to cut out. 
and, uh, and it's, it's pretty cool uh, in that way. And so what we're going to do tonight, because I know Sunday night, is we, for years it's been called the family hour, and uh, yet this is not a very, I would say, a very family-friendly story, um, but I think it's something we do need to cover. God's given it to us for our learning, and so we're going to cover it, but I'm going to try to do it with the angel kicked on a little bit, and, uh, and we'll try to be cautious uh, about the words that we use and, and how we come across. Now, and so... Why did God give, why did he skip all those years of details in order to give us this story? And I don't know, and I can't say for sure, but I do know that it is for our learning so that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. This ought to be building us in our faith, and that's what we're, that's what we're getting to. So now we're going to cover the passage, and we'll try to be, I will try to be discreet, and I've, take, I've gone to lengths uh, in my study to try to make sure that I, I do that well. Uh, that doesn't mean I will, but I'm going to try. Now, let's go to verse 1, chapter 34. The Bible says this, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, went, uh, when, which she bare to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the city, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. So first we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this daughter who is defiled. Um, she was the, Dinah was the 11th born child of Jacob. At this point, Jacob has 12 children. The 13th child, uh, Benjamin, was not born yet, but she was the 11th one born. Uh, she's the only daughter of Jacob mentioned. And she had come to an age where she ventured out into the land to meet other young women or girls. Now, I have heard and I, and I read sermons by preachers that use this to somehow blame Dinah for what happened to her. And I think that's horrible. Uh, they laid the sermon that I, one of the sermons in particular that I read laid very little blame at the feet of anybody else, most of it at, the, uh, at this young girl, this, this lady, Dinah. Uh, but the text simply tells us, as much as they tried to make Dinah out to be some promiscuous girl, uh, the text simply tells us that she went out to see the daughters of the land. It doesn't say that she ventured out against her parents' wishes or that she dressed inappropriately or with any ill intentions or anything like that. As far as we know from the text, she just went out to make some friends. And that's normal for a girl. Uh, one of the princes then, uh, he's a, which means he was a ruler in the land. He had some leadership, some authority in the land. His name was Hemor, and, and he had a son named Shechem. Now, it's also interesting, in fact, if you were in Sunday school this morning in the book of Judges chapter 9, I think we were in this morning, um, there's, a, there's a city of people, men who came from Shechem. Now, I don't know, and I have, wasn't able to find this out, if Shechem was named after this man, just because that's where it gained its notoriety, so that's how the Jewish writers wrote about the city, um, or if, uh, if he was named after the city, I simply don't know. But this was the name of the city. It was also the name of this son of a ruler. Now, what Shechem did uh, by defiling her was considered acceptable in such a pagan culture in Canaan. He, so because she was single, because she was not taken, then she was fair game in their culture. That doesn't make it right. Uh, obviously, it's still wrong. But he lay with her, he defiled her, and that's going to be a good enough word for, uh, for our lesson tonight. Now, who is to blame for such atrocity? And my wife and I was talking with her about this. She already got the short version of the sermon tonight. You're getting the long version, uh, at least compared to what I told her. But uh, who gets the blame for this? 
certainly there's a, enough blame to go around. Shechem was the one who was responsible for his own wicked act. Right? We can't take that away. It doesn't matter what his circumstances are. He committed an evil act against this girl. Um, you might say, well, the culture he was raised in, that was, that was permissible. In fact, that was even acceptable or expected of young men. Uh, but that does not absolve him, absolve him from responsibility. He had a choice, and he made a choice, and that choice was a sinful, wicked choice. Uh, and the other people to blame are Dinah's parents, her father in particular. Uh, he and they should bear the lion's share of the blame, at least from that perspective. Now, parents, we live in a wicked world. We live in a world, in fact, my wife and I talked about this, that there is no way for us to always protect our children from everything. I wish there was. There is no healthy way to do that. And in fact, I would say there is no way to do that. Um, we, we, we try to do what we can. We, we put guardrails in their lives and we try to help them. We, we don't permit them to go to certain places or to do certain things because we want to protect them. Of course, they just look at it as we're being mean old people, you know. Uh, but, but truly, our heart is to protect our children. This act, um, what happened, what, what Shechem did, that act would be condemned by most of our society today, right? Most of it, and I would say most, but not all of our society, would condemn what he did. But yet, whenever I go to a professional basketball game, whenever I go to a Pistons game, or I've been to games in other cities... Um, whenever I go to one of those games at halftime or during timeouts, they always have these young girls come out, dress very inappropriately, and do dances with very inappropriate moves. And you know what I do? I don't think anything less of those girls, but I think less of the dance. And, and you may not agree with me, and apparently Brian's the only one shaking his head, but if that, those dads, what kind of dad lets his daughter do those things? And I blame the dads for those things. You say, Pastor, that wasn't in the text. I know. I'm not charging you for that part. That part was free. But I, it drives me nuts. Like, you as a man know how men think. Your wife doesn't know how men think. Uh, your daughter especially doesn't know how men think and how boys think. And for you to do that and for those men to do that, I think, is absolutely atrocious. Um. Our parents, our children should not be given free reign to make friends with whomever they want, wherever they want, when they're young. We can't control them the rest of their lives. And at some point, we have to start letting them make some decisions and letting them fall on their face. But we cannot let them just do whatever they want because they think that they can make friends or because we want to live through them or whatever the reason is. So we, I blame Jacob. Uh, and I blame Shechem for what happened here. I do not blame Dinah for what happened. Now, verses 3 and 4 tell us that Shechem decided that he really liked Dinah. The Bible says his soul claimed to her. In fact, it tells us that he loved her, um, and he loved the damsel in verse 3. His soul claimed to her, and he loved her. Now, this does not mean that he loved her as we would think a husband should love his wife. Uh, it's, in fact, you could never do something to someone like he did if you love her. He was not watching on. To, to love someone is to seek their good, not your own. And he was definitely seeking what he wanted. Now, uh, I will say, as far as what does this mean that his soul claved to her, uh, without getting into the, and I, I, could, I could give you the terms that I was studying this week, um, but it would just be me repeating what I read. 
but secular and religious scientific uh, studies show that there's a hormone release in intimacy that bonds a man and a woman. This is created by God. It's something good that God created that is supposed to happen within the bounds of marriage. And, and what that is is supposed to help that bind of that marriage to hold stronger and stronger. But I, and I believe that this is what happened to, to Shechem, that his soul claimed her. It's something that he had a desire for her. He felt an attachment to her. And so he asked his father to arrange a marriage to this girl. That was the way it was done in the culture. Now verse 5 says, And Jacob heard that he had defiled, when, and Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah his daughter. Now his sons were with the cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they were come home. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out into Jacob to commune with him. So, so dad goes out to talk to dad, saying, hey, let's work out a plan, let's work out a deal. Um, and the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it. So they heard about this, and they come out of the field. This wasn't like the end of the day, you know, we're done working, they come in. But notice, though, that Jacob holds his peace. He, he doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. I believe we see here a father's failure. It says the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, because they had wrought folly in Israel in line with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. Jacob's response here is less than impressive. But we also read that Jacob's sons heard what happened, and they were grieved, and they were wroth. They knew that what had happened should never have happened. Now you might say, well, that's the culture they were in. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what culture says, what matters is us doing the right thing. In verse 8 it says, And Hamor communed with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give, give her him to wife. And make ye marriages with us, and give your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you. And ye shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade ye therein, and get your possessions therein. And Shechem said unto his father and to his brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will give you according as ye have said unto me. But give me the damsel to wife. So Hamor did, did what his son asked. He attempted to make an arrangement for his son to marry Jacob's daughter. Further, he was tempting to make an arrangement that where, where the men of the city could take their daughters, take the daughters of Jacob, and where Jacob's sons could take daughters of the city. Now, you remember, they're in a foreign land. There's 11 boys here looking for wives. Who are they going to find? Well, this might sound like a good idea. We've got to find wives, and we'll get to why that shouldn't have happened this way in the first place. We'll get to that later. But uh, they, so, hey, you take of our daughters, we'll take of yours. Now, uh, this doesn't mean, as I read some people say, that this means that Jacob had other daughters. It just simply means they're making an arrangement where future daughters, where future girls born in their family could be taken, by, taken to wife by the men of that city. And so they're making an agreement that what he's trying to do is make an agreement between them for the foreseeable future. And so if Jacob would give his daughter and other future daughters possibly to those men of Shechem, then their family would be welcome in this town and they would be fully functioning members of society. They would fit right in. Our goal should never be to fit in with society, especially in a wicked society. Now, let's talk about this town of Shechem. Why were they there? You see, this is where another failure of Jacob comes into play. 
God told Jacob in Genesis chapter 31, 13, that they were to return to Bethel. But Jacob took his family to Shechem instead. Uh, in fact, this, this reminds me of Lot. You remember Lot? And Lot says, you know, I'm going to go that way. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Before we know, he's in Sodom. Genesis 33, 18. Last week we saw this. And Jacob came to Shalom, the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram, and listen, and pitched his tent before the city. He saw that city. God said, I want you to go to Bethel. And he pitched his tent before the city. That means that they were close enough to get a good view. They were close enough to be in its presence. And that's where they ended up instead of in the city of Bethel where God had told them to go. He took his family to the wrong place. This is another failure of this father. Now, I'm not trying to be hard on Jacob. Uh, we haven't walked in his shoes. I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying that as a man has growing in his faith, he still made mistakes. Now, in verse 13, we see the son's strategy. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamar, his, his father, deceitfully, and said, because he had defiled Dinah, their sister, I hope that's never said about me that he acted or he behaved himself deceitfully. Um, you know, is there a difference in behaving deceitfully and uh, hiding a, uh, a surprise party from your wife? Yeah, there's a difference in that. Okay? Um, but here, they, and we'll see why they were doing it, but they behaved, or they, uh, they answered deceitfully. Verse 14, and they said unto them, we cannot do this thing. Uh, so here's what the brothers are saying to uh, Hamor and Shechem. We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised. All oh, right, they're standing, right? They're standing for something. No. For that were a reproach unto us. Remember, they're acting, they're speaking deceitfully. Verse 15, but in this we will consent unto you. If ye will as we be, will be as we be, that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters unto you, and we will take your daughters unto us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if ye will not hearken unto us to be circumcised, then will we take our daughter and we will be gone. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, uh, Hamor's son. And the young man deferred not to do the thing, because he had delight in Jacob's daughter. And he was more honorable than all the house of his father. We'll come back to that. Verse 20, And Hamor and Shechem his son came into the gate of the city and communed with the men of their cities, saying, These men are peaceable with us. Uh, therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade therein for the land. Behold, is, it is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters for us to wives. Let us give them our, daughter, our daughters. Only herein will the men consent unto us for to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us be circumcised, as they are circumcised, shall not their cattle and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them, and they dwell with us. And Hamor said to Shechem, his son, uh, his son hearkened. Uh, and so let me try that again. Hamor and uh, and unto Hamor and Shechem, his son hearkened all that went out of the gate of the city. Every male was circumcised. All that went out of the gate of his city. I just got to tell you, sometimes I'm reading and my mind is going to the next two or three points and I forget to actually read. Uh, and that's exactly what's going on. Now, uh, here's the strategy that they had. The sons of Jacob, they're deceitful. We're going to see later that the, the two that were responsible, that were leading this charge, were Simeon and Levi. 
Um, but the plan and the, the really the scheme involves all of the brothers and uh, Simeon and Levi specifically, and we, we might even understand this a little bit. Simeon and Levi were two of her full brothers, okay? They were also sons of Leah. So of the four different women Jacob had children with, all three, Dinah, Simeon, and Levi, all uh, were from uh, Leah, the older sister. And so they, they lie to the men. Now, I want to I say this. Circumcision, at first you might go, oh man, look, they won't let her marry anybody who's not circumcised. Circumcision was not the requirement for bringing together these families. It was about what God they worshipped. That was really the idea behind the laws that God gave. Circumcision was not the requirement it was, or the qualification. It was a sign. You see, this was not about a legalistic thing. We say, well, you know what? If you're not circumcised, then we can't have our families together. It was about if you don't serve the same God we do, we can't have our families together. But the brothers, that wasn't their intention. Their intention was not to, to please God or to follow his, his restrictions. It was to deceive them. So the brothers made a deal. You all get circumcised, and then we can intermarry. And if you don't, we'll take our daughter. Now, what, what do they mean by their daughter? Obviously, it's Jacob's daughter, but the, the daughter there can mean simply a young woman. And so he says, we're going to take our daughter and leave this land. Now... Shechem and his ruler, Dad, Hamor, thought that this was a good deal. I don't think it's a good deal, but they thought it was a good deal. And the description of Shechem as honorable, right? Well, we, so we'll come back to it. The Bible says here, now this isn't somebody else quoting. This is what the Bible says, that he was more honorable than all those in his house. This does not make him a righteous man. You know, you might say, what is the, what is the most honorable demon that Satan took with him? And you would say, well, I guess the most honorable still isn't honorable, is it? Yeah, you might say, what, uh, uh, who's the most honorable politician you know, right? I mean, it means about the same thing. Um, no, he was just more honorable than the house of his father. Now, I want to also say this. It's impossible for us to judge this man. We can't judge his heart. We have to be careful of that. Uh, we can't judge what was going on. Was, was he... Was he, in, was he just this totally terrible, rebellious person? Or was he someone who was taught wrong? Someone who made the wrong decisions? But maybe he was the nice guy. Maybe he was the one who told the truth. Maybe he was the one who was a hard worker. I don't know exactly what that means, that he was more honorable. But it does not mean that he was righteous. It's not, we are not supposed to look at that and say, oh man, he was a good guy. The poor guy got a, got a, a bad deal. We cannot judge him, but we can judge actions. I recently was told that we can't judge people and we should stop. A couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, I mentioned to you that one of my struggles in life is being critical. And uh, somebody watched it online, and, and, that's, and that's good, and I'm not complaining about that. But they took that as I was saying, I judge people. No, I don't judge your heart. I'm just saying I want, it, I want this, this project done a certain way, and I'm very critical about how I want it done. I, I, I really don't think I have a... That that's my biggest problem anyway is, is judging others. But I do think and I do know that even though we are not to judge the hearts of men because we can't, we are to judge actions. We are to say this is sinful, this is wrong, this is right. Now, he may have been an honest, trustworthy man in the eyes of society, but when the society condones this type of perfect behavior, 
then even the better or more honorable ones will commit the atrocities. Now, verse 20. I've already read it, so let's just move on. Um, all right, so here's what he does. They go to the, they go to the men of the city. They're like, all right, guys, we struck a deal with these new people in town. Um, this is not just, and so Shaq was probably like, this is not just about me getting the girl that I want. This is about all of us, and it's going to open a door for our whole city, uh, for their daughters to be our wives. Their cattle are going to become our cattle, and their beasts are going to become our beasts. In other words, this is an opportunity, guys. This is, this is a way we can really enrich ourselves and have a better life. And so here's what we got to do. we just got to be circumcised. Now, the idea of incorporating Jacob's wealth, remember, he was extremely wealthy. God had blessed him greatly. Uh, to incorporate him into this city uh, and incorporating Jacob's family and their possessions was a huge attraction. So the men agreed. And the men are like, all right, let's do it. And all the men in the city were circumcised. Now look at verse 25. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. And they took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and that which was in the city and that which was in the field and all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took they captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. Now, here, Jacob's sons had this plan all along, right? When they first said, no, we can't give her to you because that would be offensive to us because they're not circumcised. It wasn't about doing God's will. It was about the plan that they had. Now, this was not then, he wasn't just trying to get them to suffer a relatively short amount of pain, that came with their agreement. But it was about the revenge for the sin against their sister. And so when these men were at the greatest point of pain and soreness, Simeon and Levi took their swords into the city. And the Bible tells us that they killed all the men in the city. Now the rest of the sons of Jacob came in and they spoiled the city. They stole all their goods. They, they came in and took. And the Bible says it was because of what they had done or what had been done to their sister. Now in verse 30, the Bible says this, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I, or basically my family, my possessions, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And they said, should he deal with our sister as with the harlot? Was Jacob more concerned about himself, his goods, his family, than he was with what was right? And I think that's what we see. Was he thinking that maybe I have to protect my family because God's promised to make a great nation and I've already messed up in the past and I didn't trust God so I need to really help him out here. Is that what's going on? And I think maybe that's the case. Maybe Jacob, like his sons, was too concerned with doing God's job to do their own. He was too concerned. Jacob was too concerned with saying, hey, I need to protect my family. I need to do what it takes to make sure that my family makes it through this. And you know what, boys, now that what you've done by killing all these men, I'm going to be the target. And they're going to come after me. They're going to come after my house. 
Then what does this mean for God's plan? You see, to keep God's plan was not Jacob's responsibility. That was God's job. What the boys did was not their responsibility. It was God's job. Question for you, when we read about Jacob's sons being deceitful, where did they get that from? You remember Jacob's name before it was changed to Israel? Jacob itself means heel catcher or deceiver. And here come his sons after him. Now, were they locked into that? Did they have to behave that way? No, but just like Shechem was raised a certain way, he made decisions based on his upbringing. And these boys, no doubt by this point, had heard the stories, had heard about what their dad had done. And they decided they would fall into that same habit. Where did he get his habit of trying to help God? Where did Jacob get the habit, his habit of trying to help God do his job? Like, he got it from Isaac, and he got it from Abraham. And remember the times that both of those men went into the cities and they deceived everybody, telling them that that's their, their sister, that their wife is not really their sister? And, and they, 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 they put their wife in a position uh, to be taken, to be defiled, because they were trying to protect themselves? And you might say, well, in their culture, women weren't valued like they are today. That doesn't make it right. Um, in fact, I think women should be valued. I think they should be valued um, and they ought to be protected in their sports and all those things. And their bathrooms need to be protected. Pastor, don't get political. I'm not. That's Bible. In the beginning, he made them male and female. Anyway. Um, so where did Isaac get it from or where did Jacob get it from he got it from Isaac he got it from Abraham where did the boys get it from they got it from their dad they got it from Jacob verse 31 when confronted with their actions Simeon and Levi simply asked what are we supposed to do let, her, let them treat our sister like a harlot and, it, and that's where the chapter ends and as we go to chapter 35 next time we'll see that we, it just kind of moves on it ends with that question what, are we supposed to just let this happen you see, they saw no fault in their actions. At a future date, I plan to cover chapter 49, but I want, to, I want to ask you to turn over there real quick. Look at chapter 49. It's on page 53. If it's on page 53, raise your hand. All right, I got one. Okay. Brian, is yours on 53? I don't know. Brian, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Wait for Brian. You're there? It's on 53? Okay. I told you you should have just turned to 53 and you'd have been there. All right, look at verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brethren. All right, let me back up. Verse 1, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Okay? So this is Jacob talking to his sons. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Okay? What they did... All those years ago affects them later when their dad is on, on his uh, nearing the, the end of his life. He dies there in chapter 49. Verse 6. O my soul, come not in, thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. But listen. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. 
So it, what, what, fine, what Jacob says is, I'm going to divide them. I'm going to scatter them. Now, he promised that these two men or that their families would be scattered. He was right. You know there is no tribe of Simeon when they, when they divvied up the land. There's no tribe of Simeon, but there's also no tribe of Levi to receive land. Both of them, the, the, the tribe of Simeon was basically absorbed into the tribe of Judah. Uh, they, uh, they did not have their own land. They were kind of just disappeared at that point. Levi did not have his own land, but because Levi had been faithful at other times... They were still scattered abroad, but they were given their, uh, their job to be the priests the priest of, of the nation. And so what happens here in, in chapter 30, uh, 33, 34, I'm sorry, what happens here is that they, they kind of sealed their fate for the future. Now all the boys were wrong. And what happened is in this chapter is Jacob decided he's going to do God's job instead of doing his own job. The what happened to Dinah, and let's close with this, what shall we do? What happened to Dinah was horrific. But the response from her brothers was vengeance. And God said that vengeance belongs to him. You can read that in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. I, I read different commentators who said things like, um, what happened to Dinah was horrific, but what they did in response was even more horrific. And I think that when we talk about the value of human life, I think that's an accurate statement. But what they were doing is they were taking God's job. God's job was to bring vengeance on them. You see, the penalty that they, that they put on these men, especially these other men of the city, was unjust and it was unjustly administered. Jacob neglected to restrain his sons. You remember another man who neglected to restrain his sons in in 1 Samuel chapter 3, Eli. The Bible tells us that he also failed uh, of neglecting to restrain his sons. Well, meanwhile, Simeon and Levi justified their sin. They justified their sin as, well, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. This is what he deserved. I've heard preachers say things. I've heard preachers in the pulpit say things, and I think that it's, it's horrible, but I've heard preachers say things like, listen, you mess with my daughter, I'm going to kill you. That's ungodly too. Vengeance is mine, say the Lord. Now, I understand the natural reaction, right? I understand as a parent and as a dad, but it is not our job to bring vengeance on someone. And if she had been protected the way she should have been in the first place, Maybe it never gets to this point. Um, now, some people are going to say things like, well, I know you may not agree with me, but I think my action is okay because of whatever reason. But here's the thing. Here's what I have to say about that. Don't worry about what I think. What I think means nothing. What you need to worry about, what I need to worry about, is if I have given you good counsel from the Bible... <laughs> Does what you think line up with what God thinks? So here's what happens many times. That person knows what they want to do. And it doesn't line up with what I said is right or wrong. Well, I know pastor doesn't agree with this. And instead of looking into it, they feel better because they disagree with me. Well, it's just the pastor. I agree with you. It is just the pastor. 
And you should not be concerned about whether you agree with me. You ought to be concerned about whether you agree with God or whether you disagree with God. So this, this chapter is uh, several people. A tough chapter, right? It's a tough chapter to read. It's a tough, cha- a tough chapter to kind of imagine. Um, but this chapter is people who tried to do God's job. We need to focus on our job. My job is to raise my children. My job is to love my wife. My job is to care for my family. My job is to fulfill my role here at this church. Um, but I can't do God's job in your life. And it is, uh, it is not my job to exact vengeance on someone else. Justice needs to be carried out through the proper channels. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. So we have to trust him that he will take care of vengeance. Thank you for joining us today on the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about First Baptist Church, visit us online at fbchazelpark.com.